Hello everybody and welcome back to Double Play. Today we're going to be doing an Orioles season preview and here we're joined by Jack or you might know him as Daily Dose of Baseball on TikTok and then we're also Jack. So I'm outnumbered here. We've got two Jacks. We, we did this one with Priya who is a Giants fan and I was outnumbered by Giants fans. So now out, outnumbered by Jack. So Jack, thank you for joining us today and we're, we're happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. I, I complimented Jack on his name before the show and I think Jack's the best name. So uh, very happy to have you on and let's get right into what the Orioles did this offseason. Honestly, not as busy of an offseason for the Orioles as I think we all expected. Some notable additions or keeps on their team were Adam Frazier, James McCann, Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, and Michael Givens. And there were only a couple subtractions or players that simply haven't signed yet, uh, including Jordan Lyles, Rumeto Dor, Jesus Aguilar, Brett Phillips, and Robinson Trinos. Trinos doesn't have a team yet, but overall, not a huge um, influx of players and not a, a ton of players leaving. Jack, to start it off, who was your biggest addition or subtraction for the Orioles this offseason? Um, well... I guess we were in a very nice spot considering that we didn't have any major, you know, core players, you know, leaving free agency, which is a very, which for any team that has, you know, a budding core growing, that's always a great thing to have, you know, a luxury of players that are, you know, under team control for a while. So I think, I guess by default, our biggest loss was Jordan Lyles. You know, he led the team in innings last year, as I'm pretty sure. He had a very solid season. He was right around league average. So he gave us a lot of innings. He saved the bullpen, which was incredible last year. I didn't expect it to be so good. Um, but yeah, so I, I think we definitely replaced him well with Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson, two very established players at the big league level. And, you know, Kyle Gibson is only what, like one year removed from an all-star appearance with the Rangers. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how he did that. Um, but Cole Irvin's really solid. He, you know, it is a lot of self-contact. doesn't really get the ball fly to the ballpark and really won't in Camden Yards. So I think we, we, we plugged our holes somewhat nicely, but I definitely wanted us to sign, you know, a bigger free agent considering our. HM said we'd be big players in free agency, and we just we weren't. So I was a little bit disappointed, but nothing too breaking happened. So I'm more than fine with this offseason. Yeah, I'm going to 100% cheat saying my addition subtraction, but just because I didn't love or hate anyone that left or joined, like you said, it was kind of felt a little bit lateral to me with a little bit improving on that. But I'll talk about that a little later when we talk about the grade. But I'm going with adding Gunnar Henderson and Grace Rodriguez to the team. Uh, you get both of them a little bit at the end of the year, and I know they're not coming from different teams, but you're adding them to a team that overperformed and just missed out on the playoffs. And then plus you had John Means to the rotation around, I did, it was July, I looked up when it comes out, and mm-hmm. he was a clear-cut ace when he was pitching. So if yeah. you can piece it together and kind of beat around the playoff hunt come July, and you add John Means and Gunnar Henderson is breaking out like I think he will I, I like the team's chances to make the playoffs and just because there wasn't anyone that left like you said or anyone that really came in that was too crazy uh, I ended up going cheating and going with the players that in-house that they're going to be gaining coming back or breaking into breaking out into their rookie years so Gunnar Henderson and Grace Rodriguez were the two big ones for me yeah I mean yeah, I, I like those two I mean yeah, they're both really good picks they're both amazing. Um, I, I'm going to side with with Jack and say I think Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin, probably they fill the most important spots on the roster out of anyone that was added this offseason. They add stability, I think, at least. I mean, I don't love the lack of upside with the two. I mean, Kyle Gibson's always been one of those pitchers where he's going to be solid, but he's never going to be anything really more than a three or a four starter. And if you need him to be, then I don't think he's in his right role. 
Um, but I mean, I think it was good for an Orioles team that does have a lot of young talent. But um, I, as we get into the grade in the future, I, I, I would agree that I thought the Orioles could and would do more. And so it, it feels a little lackluster this offseason. But Jack, do you want to start us off with your grade? Uh, sure. So I thought a lot about this and I know draft Mark on YouTube. He had a lot of very, I guess, negative things to say about our off season. I kind of understand it. Fuzzy sort of had a lot to say about it as well. Also on YouTube, I'm going to plug them, but I just, I went, I referenced them when talking about the Orioles off season, because I don't really agree. I mean, they, they said that, you know, uh, they were very disappointed with how we did. I'm not exactly pleased but I'm not disappointed. I'm like, okay, we, we replaced our, you know, players that left in free agency with similar players of that caliber, you know? And, and I will say, I'm very pleased that Ruben Odor is gone. Like, I, I genuinely did not like him starting at second base every day. So I'm glad that we got, you know, rid of him. I hope he does well in the Padres. I wish him nothing but the best. Um, but I'm going to give us a C-. minus. I mean, we didn't, uh, we didn't make any game-changing moves. I mean, if Adam Frazier returns to form with the Pirates, you know, before he... Um, I think before he got traded to Seattle and then he cooled off, um, then, I mean, I would take that any day, every day, you know, 162 games out of the season. But if he plays well and if he could bring in value, I wouldn't mind trading him. You know, I really wouldn't mind trading him at the deadline. Um, but I'd give us a C-. minus. I mean, we, again, we pretty much plugged, you know, every loss that we had with players in the Super Bowl caliber. So I'm not super pleased, but I'm not disappointed. This is the first real offseason where, I've been like truly like really invested in Orioles baseball since like well last year technically I really was but for last year I was really invested in 2016 so I was really you know just coasting through the rebuild but I'm this is a real offseason where I actually had expectations and they weren't met I'm not disappointed I'm right there with you with a C minus I think if you look at the offseason kind of tunnel vision I think it's a C plus I think I mean you mentioned I think Adam Frazier is a step up for Rugnador uh, James McCann's probably a better backup catcher than Robinson Trinos. Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin to replace Lyles. So I think he probably improves slightly in terms of what the roster is. And then you're getting the getting the rookies, like I mentioned, as well. So I think they get a little bit better, but I, my actual grade is a C- minus when you factor in the expectations. Uh, with, with the GM comments that you kind of touched on, he, he was saying they were going to significantly escalate the pay- payroll. Kind of gave hope to Orioles fans like yourself that, you know, signed the big free agent and it didn't do enough to turn them into a lock playoff team like I thought they could have just because they were so close and I think right now the third wild card spot's really wide open in the American League and the Orioles with a few bigger moves I think could have kind of locked that down into people predicting that's where they were going to be but I think they kind of stayed where they are uh, maybe got a little bit better like I said so they're still definitely in that playoff race but I think they could have done more to turn them into like a lock for that spot, if that makes sense. I fully agree. I fully agree. I think if we signed Rodon, that would have definitely given us that huge step forward in that rotation. And also, you know, just you know, team morale, I think, is also a huge part of it as well. I mean, I think that's a very, it's a, it's a massive intangible, and I'm kind of an analytical person, so I don't really look at intangibles that much. But I have to, in this case, when talking about my Orioles, I mean, if we if we made a big move in free agency, like signed Rodon or you know, even a Correa, that would have said so much for, you know, not only the front office that, you know, we're really trying to make a massive push, but also it would have said a lot for the players in that clubhouse. And also, we don't really have much veteran leadership because Mancini's gone. So who steps forward? Mateo? It was his first full season of majors. So I don't know. Uh, it just, it would have said a lot. And we didn't do that. But it's, I'm, 
I'm not complaining. I'm really not. I'm just excited for Orioles baseball. I, I think I, I said mid, mid-year mid last year that a free agent fit I really liked for the Orioles was Dansby Swanson. Um, and I'm not a huge Dansby fan in general. I thought, you know, last season, I think people overreacted a little bit just because he had improved a lot. Um, but I thought he fit exactly what the Orioles were building. And they were the kind of team that I thought, even though it's not the biggest step up, like it feels bigger than it is. Like the Cubs are a similar way where, you know, I don't think Dansby's going to make them tons, tons better. But for the Cubs who needed another boost after the trade deadline a couple years ago, Dansby made sense. And I hate to make it a full sweep, but I also have a C minus um, because as I was saying, you know, I had the thought process in my head that the Orioles right on the cusp of the playoffs, they have a lot of money. They've got positions to fill. Like you mentioned, Jorge Mateo. Um, and I, I think they can do better than him at shortstop. Like Dansby Swanson would have fit. I think Xander Bogarts or Carlos Correa, like one of the shortstops would have really fit in Baltimore. I think you could have added um, starting pitching, especially since you mentioned Jordan Lyles, who was probably the one last year left for another team. There was room to improve. They have money to improve. And they have ample reason to finally, um, and they just didn't. So I, I kind of, I wrote it down that they had an opportunity to really capitalize on their 2022 season and they just didn't do a very good job of it. Um, I, I like some of the guys that they added, as you mentioned, Ryan, in a vacuum, but with the expectations that I had coming in, it just left me wanting them to be doing a little bit more. So I'm going with a C minus as well. Yeah. And I, I, over the all course of the all season I heard, and I, I was listening to a lot of radio, I don't think I've ever been able to say in a very long time. I only listen to Spotify when I'm driving, but I was listening to a lot of Orioles radio during the offseason, and I heard a lot of people on the radio just say that we should have at least made a trade offer to Corbin Burns before the season started, and especially since, you know, the Brewers really, really screwed him over with a lot of the things that they said about him, and a lot of the things that he ended up saying they said about him. Again, he, he said, she said, but I think that if before the season starts, we made a trade for Corbin Burns, I think that would have immediately brought our all-season grade to an A. Like, no joke. That would have been a perfect thing to do because the wonderful thing right now about the Orioles is that we have a plethora of farm system talent. Like, we have multiple top 100 prospect infielders and not enough spots on the infield for them. So, I would have loved to have, you know, really improved in the rotation, especially with the, you know, the new and improved Camden Yards. You know, the left field wall does look a little ugly. I've been to Camden Yards a few times last year and I didn't mind it that much. People and to hate on it just to hate on it. They don't need something to be angry at. But um, I, I would have really loved to have seen if we could have traded for Corbin Burns. That's what I really would have wanted. But alas, I don't think we're getting that. I, I think you could see, uh, at least from the Brewers' perspective, I, I am kind of on the Corbin Burns to be traded train. And I, I, we're kind of getting off topic a little bit here. But I, I could see that happening. Uh, uh, no, you're good. I, I could see that happening uh, mid-season where I think the Brewers kind of maybe want to run it back and that's why they they haven't traded him yet but I, I I honestly I'm not I think Jack isn't either right we're not really high on the Brewers so I could definitely see that happening midseason and if the, the Orioles make a push for him and they're still in the playoff on that could be something that pushes them over the edge but moving on now to what to expect for this season uh I'll go ahead and start this one off I've got them going third or fourth in the wild card and I haven't decided which one we're kind of conducting our early uh, preseason projections in terms of record and playoff teams. And so right now they're, I'm deciding between third and fourth and wild card. Uh, I, I don't want to give away too much and I, I haven't even decided yet, but I'm also going Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez to both be in the top three for rookie of the year. And that's kind of what I'm expecting from the Orioles this year. Uh, I'm, I'm on the Gunnar Henderson, Grayson Rodriguez train. And uh, I, I think they're going to put up probably 
close to an identical record from last season, if I had to guess. Yeah, that's that's a pretty fair assessment. My words are not wordy today. It's a very <laughs> fair assessment, honestly. Um, I mean, again, we didn't make any game-changing moves. We just kind of replaced what we needed to replace with similar players. So, I mean, it's fair to assume that we'll have a rather similar record. I think our bullpen definitely had a massive season. I would, I don't really expect them to take a down season, honestly. I mean, with Dylan's hate starting the season on the IL, that'll be a little bit of a hit to the bullpen. Um, Felix Bautista hasn't pitched in spring training yet, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that bullpen is going to really be the step up in the first one of the season. But um, yeah, I, I would expect a rather similar record. It'd give us 84, 85 wins. I think we just missed out on the on the wild green spot, though, because, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays. With how weird that team is constructed, they always somehow make it to the postseason. I don't know how they do it. It's got to be double magic. But um, I see us just missing out on the wild card spot, fortunately. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna follow that as well, and I think I'm gonna be slightly harsher um, because I I would look at the roster and I think okay this roster is pretty much the same, um, and that would make me normally think okay they can have a pretty similar season. But I I think people when they talk about the Orioles because it was so fun fail to to speak about how much of an overperformance I think it was where um, you know the bullpen I do believe overperformed and, and the starting rotation most definitely overperformed at times I really like the lineup um, and if they had added bigger pieces say in the lineup or in the rotation or really solidified that bullpen just to to assure we're going to have another great year then I w- wanted to bring them up in that uh, conversation for the wild card again but for a roster that we all believe um is right around the same, like maybe improved a tiny bit, um, but right around the same level it was last year. Um, I think that I I just I find it hard to believe that they're not going to fall back down to where their rebuild was was going to be. Like I'm, I'm a Giants fan, so I remember this is a, a much uh, not harsher, but a, a bigger example where in 2021, you know, they win 107 games, which is way ahead of the pace of their rebuild. And we saw last year what I think the team is closer to being. They're not a team that's going to win 107 games. They're a team that's going to be around the 80 to, to 90 wins, somewhere in, in that range. And I don't think the Orioles are yet at a point in their rebuild where they're a wild card team. And so I think they fall a, a slight bit back. I, I kind of think that they either have the same record they do last year and miss the playoffs, or I wouldn't be surprised if if their record tapes, takes a step back. They fall to maybe an under 500 level because that's where I thought their rebuild was being paced at anyway. I love Gunnar Henderson, love Grayson Rodriguez. They're going to be the ones to lead the Orioles to the playoffs in the next couple of years. But for me, because the offseason was so disappointing from an expectation standpoint, I don't think that they got better enough to rival the regression that I was kind of expecting. Yeah, I think I honestly think you're spot on with that. I think that the use of the Giants example was perfect. Um, I mean, I I did love watching the Giants, and I I, I kind of agree exactly with you. I think a lot with what you said before with a, a bunch of players and you know the rotation and the bullpen overperforming. I kind of see which I really am seeing that Giants comparison heavy. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think we did enough this offseason to really put us into that playoff contending. Uh, status right now. I think we're just kind of in the hunt, I guess is the right word to use. Um, but hopefully next offseason we'll actually make some moves. If we need to make moves, I want us to... The other move I really wanted us to make, just real, like off time real quick, we wanted us to extend Adley Rutschman. That is honestly the only thing I wanted us to do. Like, I never want this man to reach free agency in his time with the Orioles. Never let him step foot in free agency, ever. Because if you do, we cannot outbid I don't know, the Yankees or or another team like that. Oh, I'm just going to throw up in my mouth. I just read myself. <laughs> oh, 
I'm sorry, everyone who's listening. Um, but no, I really wanted us to to um, extend Adley Rutschman. I wanted us to pull in Atlanta Braves and extend every young player that had a semi-good season. Really? But no, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you. I, I don't think we're in that playoff contending status. I think we'll win 85 games at the most. And if I was to give like a like an extremely hot take, they win 89-90 and make the wild card spot. But I just, I, I don't fully believe in that take. But that's a hot take. So, I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's a perfect segue into our bold prediction uh, part of the episode. And I'll go ahead and give mine. Uh, I have Adley and Cedric Mullis hitting 20 plus bombs each. Uh, Cedric, I believe, had a 30-30 season in 2021. Uh, I believe it was. Right now, Adley's predicted to get 17 and Cedric Mullins is predicted to get 18. So I'm going for 20 plus bombs each. And I, I think, I, I, like you said, that I think they need to extend Adley. He's going to be, even if he's not the star that we all think he's going to be, uh, it, there's something to be said about even just paying someone to be a face of a franchise for th- their whole career. And I think Adley definitely has that potential to be a, a future face of a franchise. It, the Orioles would be a great place for him. And uh, yeah, you're right. They need to extend him like yesterday. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I like that take, honestly. I really do. I'm going to move to a different outfielder. You pick Cedric Mullins. I'm going to say Anthony Santander makes the AL All-Star team. When I was doing our positional rankings, I was a big fan of Santander's season. He's criminally underrated. I wouldn't be surprised if he hits well over 30 home runs again. And um, Ryan and I are prepping for our fantasy baseball draft. And I was I was shocked at how high he was in ESPN's rankings. I'm like, what? no, put him lower. I don't want everyone else to know about it. I was going to say the same thing. I was, I was filling out my uh, fantasy, like, well, like who I'm gonna get going for is Santander is near the top there. I'm going for him. Oh well, now I'm now I'm now I'm mad that you know that <laughs> I'm going for him as well. But you know he had a he's had a great couple seasons the the last couple years. I think he's gonna continue to to rake and he's part of like I mentioned that lineup. I, I love the lineup. But you have Adley a catcher. I'm not sure exactly who they're planning on playing at first. It, I would assume it's gonna be Mountcastle. Then you've got Frazier and Mateo up the middle. I feel like that's maybe where they're the weakest. Um, and then Henderson yeah, at third. I like Mullins and Santander in the outfield, and you fill in that one last outfield spot. That's that's an up it, and I mean they're all young too, and I think some of them are underrated. Like I think Mountcastle will have a good year too, but it was it was really just the the rotation and the bullpen that held me back from saying, you know, I don't think everything's at that level that the lineup is. Yeah, I agree with you. I fully I, I fully agree with you there. I think Mountcastle will probably be taking most of the reps at first base. I mean, he had an excellent defensive season. He was solid offensively. I think that the if we lower the left field wall a little bit, but kept it at that distance, he probably would have had 25, 30 home runs. Yes, because he got so unlucky last year. It's unbelievable. But yeah, um, no, I, I fully agree with your with your Orioles takes. I mean, I really hope they're going to be as good as I think they are, as good as we all thought they were last year, and I hope they're a little bit better. But if they're a little bit worse, I wouldn't be too surprised. But I don't know, hopefully it'll come crashing back down to earth and go up to 500. I really don't want to see it again. But this, I mean, this season isn't even... This this season isn't isn't the biggest deal for the Orioles fans because I mean all Orioles fans need to know that the next couple of years is where it's at because Henderson as we mentioned has crazy potential Grayson Rodriguez maybe the best pitching prospect in baseball and then all of these all the players that we're mentioning in the lineup are all young I mean and they yeah. like you mentioned the Orioles have money to extend them so if they're willing to spend it and if they develop as everyone's expecting this season will be the least of the Orioles' concerns because they're going to be contending for for winning some some real big baseball games in October uh, the next couple of years. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Double Play. In this video, we are going to be recapping the Blue Jays' 2022 offseason 
and previewing their 2023 season. They were kind of busy this this offseason. Jack, let's go ahead and get into it with what they added slash kept and then what did they lose as well this offseason. Yeah, so there were some signings to go down in, in Toronto, and I think they were in, involved in the biggest trade of the offseason. They got Dalton Varsho from the Arizona Diamondbacks, so there's an addition to, to get him. They had to give up uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as well as Gabriel Moreno, and they were probably involved in the other biggest trade of the offseason as well, uh, trading Teoscar Hernandez to the Seattle Mariners. The theme for this is they were very heavily a right-handed lineup. They're moving some of their right-handers to be able to bring in some lefties. They they got Kevin Kiermeyer on the free agent market, also Brandon Belt, first baseman from the San Francisco Giants. Um, they add Chris Bassett from the Mets to be their probably their third starting pitcher. Uh, and then also Eric Swanson, who was a great reliever for the Mariners last year, Chad Green from the Yankees, and Zach Thompson from the Pirates. The other loss that is notable is Ross Stripling, who had a kind of a career revival year in Toronto last year as a starting pitcher, and he went out to SF. But overall, it was a pretty busy offseason for the Blue Jays and one that I think that they definitely needed. What did you think was the biggest move or one that'll make the most impact? I think probably, I would probably say it is Varsho and kind of what you see on the field, it's going to be Varsho. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Chris Bassett here. It makes the rotation kind of one of the better ones in baseball on paper. And it can, you kind of get the boost in that rotation that you that they maybe thought they were getting when they got Jose Barrios. And uh, now I think the starting rotation is being one of the better uh, rotations in baseball. They were top 10 and fifth, and I think just missed out on top 10 in ERA last season. And if you, if you get the same production from the top three being Manoa, Gosman, and now Bassett, and you can maybe get some of a return of what Burius was, and then you get Ryu and Kikuchi towards the back. You got some good depth back there. Uh, I think that their ceiling is one of the better starting rotations in baseball. So maybe Varsho, you mentioned getting that lefty bat, is going to be bigger to their offense than Bassett is to the rotation. But I think Chris Bassett's going to be very important to this rotation if he's able to perform the season. Yeah, I ended up, I like the Bassett addition, first of all, but I ended up going with those left-handed hitters as the biggest addition because... We mentioned they were right-handed, but it, you can't even overstate just how right-handed they were. You have Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen behind the plate, both righty. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first, he's a righty. Boba Shedd at short, he's a righty. Matt Chapman, also a righty. And then in the outfield, they had Guriel, they had Teoscar Hernandez, and they have George Springer still all right-handed. And they just they couldn't operate with all those righties, even though they were all great hitters in the lineup at one time. And so they ended up moving Gabriel Moreno and both of those outfielders. They were kind of giving up what they had a surplus of, which were corner outfielders and the catching position where Moreno, one of the best catching prospects in baseball, but didn't really have a spot. Um, They had Alejandro Kirk, the starting catcher in the American League for the All-Star game last year. And they turned that into Dalton Varsho, and they also brought on Kevin Kiermeyer and Brandon Belt, who will probably be the DH. And so, first of all, I want to say I miss you to Brandon Belt, my favorite player from the Giants. But overall, these lefties that they brought in not only add to the the balancing of the lineup that they wanted to and that was kind of the theme of their offseason also great defenders Varsho and Kiermaier two of the best defensive outfielders in baseball so them and George Springer who's already good defensively make up a great outfield Belt will probably DH maybe split some time with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first and he's been a gold glove caliber first baseman for his entire career so the defense improves the lineup's more balanced and so overall I think bringing in the lefties especially for their defense and hitting abilities is the biggest move yeah, I feel for you for losing Brandon Belt. Say that real quick. Uh, obviously, I lost Seager, my favorite player, last but last uh, year. So you lose him here. But for the Blue Jays, it was a good addition. What, what would you give their offseason a grade as a whole? 
I give the Blue Jays a B plus, and um, I think because you know there were subtractions and they did lose players. Like you're losing Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel, and Gabriel Moreno. That's more than most teams lose in an offseason. Um, but I think it was kind of like the additions and the subtractions settle out in a good spot. Like I still think they improved despite losing some bigger pieces that other teams obviously um, would be very happy to have. So I went with a B plus. I went with a B plus as well, and we we don't cheat on those. We, Supposed to ha- had him here at a B plus, and they improved based off what they needed, and I think that's kind of why I like this offseason for them so much. Uh, maybe you look at the names that they added and lost, and it's maybe worse than a B plus if you look at it like that. But if you look at the current roster and what they struggled with, what they needed, uh, I bumped him up to a B plus because of that and kind of the stu- stuff we've been touching on with the left-handed hitters, kind of balancing that out in the lineup. Yeah, I, I- and getting good, good good left-handed hitters as well. They're not just. Uh, some random lefties like Brandon Belt can hit when he's healthy. Uh, Varsho, obviously one of the one of the more underrated players in baseball. So adding left-handed hitters that can hit is important as well. Yeah, and I think it just provides some protection as well for some of these other right-handed hitters. Um, just because you're not there's going to be more people on base if you have got some lefties in the lineup against a righty pitcher. Um, and overall, you you mentioned Chris Bassett makes their starting rotation pretty great too. You're going to have Manoa, Gosman, and then however you want to lay him out, Bassett and Barrios who. Barrios is supposed to be good. He was terrible last year, but if he can return to some sort of his previous form, gives you one of the better rotations in the American League. So I like what the Blue Jays did, and they definitely improved. Getting into what to expect, for me, I, I expect them to be the top wildcard team at the worst, and I think they got a real shot at the American League East. I know we both had them winning it last year, um, but I think right now you, you expect them to be right back in the mix uh, and definitely the top wildcard spot. And I'm sticking with that prediction from last year. It didn't pan out last year, but I'm saying I'm expecting them to win the division. And you, you'll see that once I, once we do our full season predictions, records, uh, playoffs as well, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting them to win the division as of right now. And I think they're once again going to have a top three lineup in baseball uh, based on w, WRC+. Plus. They were second last season only behind the Dodgers, who uh, who got a little bit worse this offseason. They were right above the Mets, who uh, talked about them in our Mets episode last week. So... I think they're going to be right up at the top again, and I think their lineup is still one of the better ones. And like I said, their pitching has the ceiling to be one of the better rotations in baseball as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't fault you. I think that they can compete. We'll, we'll talk about the Yankees later this week. I think they're the clear competition for the Yankees, and the Yankees are the clear competition for the Blue Jays. But it'll be a fun race, and I'm not going to say who I have uh, winning it quite yet. To get into bold prediction, do you want to start? Yeah, so uh, if you've been watching all of these, you're kind of piecing together my full season preview that will come out kind of as one later. But I've got them going up against the Braves in the World Series. You were kind of, when I dropped that bomb with the Braves, you were like, oh, I can't wait to see who you have in the American League facing the Braves. And so here we go. I, I got the Blue Jays take it, making a trip to the World Series. Wow. I mean, you did kind of spoil your World Series pick quite early. I know you're not going to say who's going to win yet. Keep that secret. But nope. that yep. I, I was kind of piecing it together. You said not the Astros. Once once I saw that you had the Blue Jays yeah. beating the Yankees for the division, I thought, wow, because he's he's going for it. Toronto in the in the World Series, which would be an interesting one. Toronto and Atlanta would be a, would be a fun matchup. For me, I'm going to say that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. jumps right back into the top five of AL MVP voting. Last season was an anomaly for him and. I kind of fully expect his offense to bounce back. Like he was still really good last year, but it wasn't the same that we saw from him um, when him and Marcus Simeon were both competing in 2021 to potentially win the AL MVP. I also think that 
lefties in the lineup will definitely benefit Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He'll have more RBI chances and more chances with runners on base, more protection in the lineup. And also the addition of Brandon Belt, which I mentioned is good for the lineup. And also splitting some time at first base could allow Vladdy to DH, which was his original role, like a third baseman DH when he came up and he plays first base. And if he can get some days off and it's less on the legs and less on you know, focusing on defense, I think he could just just absolutely go nuclear as a hitter again and finish top five. So I think he's always going to be there in his career. And last season just wasn't quite up to what he had done in 2021. But I expect him to be back up there in 2020, 2023. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Double Play. In this video, we're going to be recapping the Red Sox 2022 offseason as well as previewing their 2023 season. This is a series that we've been doing for every team in baseball. We're Getting down to it, we've done over 15 teams. We're over halfway through. And so the Red Sox, they're one that was pretty busy in the news for a lot of different reasons. A lot of names tied to them, a lot of signings, a lot of losses. Jack, let's talk about the notable additions and subtractions. We've been talking about kind of all of them for other teams, but Red Sox, they were so busy. Let's just talk about the big ones here. Yeah, I mean, like we mentioned, busy doesn't always mean good. And so I think you got to start with the subtraction of Xander Bogarts, who left to go to San Diego, one of the biggest homegrown pieces for the Red Sox in recent memory and not going to be a Red Sox anymore. They also lose J.D. Martinez, who's been a big piece of some of their best teams in recent years. Um, they lose all of their starting pitching for the most part. Nathan Avaldi, Rich Hill, Michael Waka, they've still got some guys, which we'll get to later. That's pretty much it for the losses. And then you get into the additions, and they they did offset those losses with adding a, a in bulk, at least. They bring in Masataka Yoshida from Japan and everyone's kind of talking about the contract they gave him. A lot of people think it's way too big. I know one MLB executive or a GM said, you know, they paid double what we thought Mustaka Yoshida was worth, which take that for what you will. There's been projections that Yoshida could be pretty good in his first year with, with Boston. So we'll see how it plays out on the field. They bring in Justin Turner uh, from the Dodgers. They also bring in Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin in the bullpen. Bring in a lot, a lot of bullpen arms, actually. Uh, Jolie Rodriguez, Richard Blyer. They offset losing Evaldi and, and all the other starters with Corey Kluber and a couple other moves. They're bringing in Adalberto Mondesi, Adam Duval, Jorge Alfaro. And the big thing is an extension for Rafael Dever. So after losing Bogarts, they didn't want to lose their other homegrown piece. So they, ext they extend Rafael Devers, who I think we all assumed was going to be a free agent. Yeah, and get it into which one was the biggest one out of these plethora of names here. Um, I, it was kind of boring, but I said it was the Devers extension. I think that's the easily the most important one out of any of these. And I can talk about what bringing these kind of veterans all around Justin Turner, some Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin to the bullpen, what they get, they can mean for this team. But I think Devers is the biggest one. It's hard not to say that after losing Xander Bogarts, who kind of like, are they going to get him or like they kind of need to get him and kind of thought they wouldn't. And they, they didn't. So I think it was important that they locked up Devers and now the focus needs to be to build around him kind of for the future. He's still so young and I, I think they shouldn't get caught up in kind of building a team, which I felt like they were doing a little bit this year is just trying to kind of piece guys together to build around Devers. So I feel like they need to focus on building around him for a little bit more future, future driven rather than signing some a lot of veterans here to kind of just piece together a team that isn't going to be it. Like maybe you can sneak into the playoffs or go 500, but th this team's not going to make any noise. So I think that needs to be the focus now is building around Devers that you have them locked up. And it was 
it was just so important that they kept him after losing Bogarts. Yeah, well, I mean, you, we can do the good cop, bad cop, and I know you gave him a compliment for bringing back Devers, but there's no reason that they couldn't have brought back Devers and Bogarts, and they, you know, they traded away Mookie Betts a couple years ago, and so I, I just feel like the Red Sox don't have any excuse for not maintaining their homegrown talent, especially Bogarts and Devers, who could have formed, you know, one of the best left sides in baseball for a very long time on the infield. How can you expect fans to believe that you're going to be a competitive team or that you want to be a competitive team when you let probably their best homegrown player? I'd say that right now, Bogarts is a better player than Devers. Go to a different contender in the National League. I mean, I like you giving the, the them props, at least, for bringing back Devers, but I think they did that out of desperation after Bogarts left, and I don't think that they couldn't have done the same for Xander. I think they could have brought back, back both, so, I mean... I just it, it's a big loss and I think it's a big moral loss as well and I just don't see the Red Sox being a competitive team when they're making these moves by letting some of their best homegrown talent leave we've kind of let our opinion on what we think 2023 is going to look like for them sneak in here a little bit before we, but before we move on to that what would you give this offseason as a grade in its entirety with all these names involved yeah, Red Sox fans, at least in our comment section, some of our live streams seem to be pretty happy with the offseason. Um, I don't think they're going to love my grade. I'm going with a C. I, I just, I don't think that they had the best offseason by any means. I think that they were kind of grasping for straws once Bogarts left. Devers extension, good idea, and I'm glad they got it done, but they paid a lot of money for Yoshida, who's an unknown talent coming over um, from overseas. And some of the other moves just don't make as much sense. Justin Turner, for me, you already have a third baseman in Rafael Devers. Was he the best veteran to go with? Could you not have just brought back J.D. Martinez? Um, And then they let all their starting pitching walk in free agency. So, And I think the Red Sox fans are a little bit overrating this offseason. I'm going with a C. You're kind of right there in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I I went with a C as well. And we we write these little comments, but we keep our grade... uh, a secret, and so when I saw that you had Red Sox fans are overrating this off season, uh, I, th- I thought you were going to go worse with that grade, and I, I honestly would have gone worse with this grade if it weren't for th- they gained points for me for for the Devers extension, and they they at least tried to fill the void of losing key players like Bogarts, like JD Martinez, and signing Justin Turner, so y- Yoshida, some other guys as well. So I mean, you gain a few points for me for that, and like like I said, I kind of. I think it might not be the best strategy for going out trying to win a World Series because that should should always be a team's goal is how do we prepare to make a World Series run because not just honestly not not every team is ready to make a World Series run that's that's just the truth so I think when you look at the Red Sox I think it was just I like that they were active and that that gains good grade from the offseason but if it's from a team building perspective I don't know but I ended up going with a C cause, just because at least they are trying to be competitive, which is better than what we've seen some other teams doing. Yeah, and that's why I, I, you know, I think the fans see that and, and they, you know, knowing what the Red Sox have been for quite a long time, say like, okay, well, when the Red Sox are trying to be competitive and they're making these moves, well, they're going to be a playoff team. They could maybe win the World Series. They're a sleeper. I'm just going to kind of come out and say it devel- uh, def- definitively that my what to expect is the Red Sox aren't making the playoffs. And I don't think they're going to be all that close. Like, I don't think it's going to be a last game of the season they get knocked out. I'm not sure they're going to be in playoff contention for much of the year. It's one of the things I'm most confident about. It's one of the, I think I'm picking them as one of the teams that people might label me a hater. You know, them, the Angels, some of these other teams. But I just, 
I am not feeling the Red Sox at all this year. Mentioned the starting pitching, which is not good. Um, the bullpen, while improved, still wasn't very good last year. And there are pieces in the lineup that I just am not the biggest fan of. So I'm just going to kind of come out straight and say it. The Red Sox aren't making the playoffs, and that's my what to expect. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I'm even going to go that I think they're going to get last in the division once again. And I think it'll be a season where Devers shines and has a good year. And we, we, we could see sometimes stars that are the only star have have bad years just because they're pitched around to. But I, I think Devers is still going to shine, but their lineup depth and pitching depth kind of hurts them. I was kind of looking at when we write all these names, I was like, okay, you know what? Like These are some solid names. Like Maybe it doesn't look that bad. And then I looked at their projected lineup and it's just, it's it's not very pretty. And especially you get into the bench and then the back end of the bullpen. I there, There's just so many question marks with this bullpen. Chris Sale, can he actually be healthy? Kluber is 37 years old. So it, 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 those are the top two names on their rotation. So that combined with just bottom of the order bench just does not look good for me. So I, I'm expecting a last place finish in the division where they'll, where I'm with you, not in a playoff, any sort of playoff race. Yeah, my, my bold prediction does have to do with the rotation, and it might be bold, might be a reach, but I'm going to say bottom five starting pitcher ERA in the entire league. They were ninth worst last year, and I would come out and say that I think the rotation only got worse. Sale is right now listed at the ace, but obviously we know the injuries that he brings every season, or at least the injury potential. And you're looking at the rest of the rotation, you've got Kluber as the two, who you just said, 37 years old, Nick Pavetta as the three, James Paxton as the four, Right now, uh, Fangraphs list Garrett Whitlock as the five-starter. I think Brian Bayo might see some time as well, and he's kind of the only one of those names that I really like. It's just you got a lot of age, a lot of injury risk in a rotation that already was not very good last year. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's Fenway that can that can doom the pitchers a little bit, but overall, with the age, with the injury risk, and with the the poor pitching that we've seen already from this Red Sox team, I'm not sure it's too much of a stretch to say that. I think they end up as a bottom five starting pitcher ERA, but at, at the very worst, they're not improving from their ninth worst spot last year, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I went team focused with my prediction. I ended up going with 90 plus losses for this team and kind of maybe just saying last place in the division, that, that almost seems implied for most divisions, but they're in a great division like the ALA, so maybe you can get last and not be that bad, but I do really think that they are going to be that bad and have 90 plus losses and be among the worst teams in the American League even with all the veterans they have and kind of the pieces they have that might have seemed like they can produce and they've got some solid young players like Bayo like uh like a Tristan Casas as well so I mean you've got some looking at this lineups like some pieces that have performed that are big are veterans that can perform but I just don't see it happening this year I'm going 90 plus losses for the Red Sox yeah, I mean, I know we're going to get pushback on this because Red Sox fans are very passionate about, you know, Boston baseball, and they like to believe that guys like Rafael Devers are going to win MVP, and Chris Sale is going to come back and be perfectly healthy and potentially be a Cy Young contender, even though we haven't seen him really pitch in a very, very long time. I'm just, I, I'm not feeling that, that there's much magic behind this team, and their roster and, and lineup and rotation aren't solid enough for me to think that they can get anything done really without a lot of magic behind it. So not a big fan of the Red Sox this year and I'm not sure I, I just don't I'm not sure I love where this franchise is going yeah and I, I will say uh you know 
uh, I, I think this is a team where I can be wrong about. Like, there's some that I like definitively like. It's just not pretty. Yeah, I'm kind of just it, I'm seeing kind of what w- what's the writings on the wall here. It looks like they're it's not going to be pretty for them. That's kind of where I'm going. It may be a little extreme with mine, and I think that it's definitely a possibility. And so. I think I can be wrong about this, so kind of catering to to Red Sox fans a little bit. Uh, th- there is still hope. I, I'm not saying like don't watch any games because they're going to lose 90, 90 games, but I think that's a that's a real possibility this year. Hello, everyone, and welcome or welcome back to Double Play Baseball. In today's video, Ryan and I are going to recap the Tampa Bay Rays 2022 offseason as well as preview their 2023 campaign. Ryan, the Rays had an interesting offseason. Why don't you break it down for us? So let's go to talk about their additions slash extensions that they had. They really only had one addition, and it was Zach Eflin who got the largest free agent con- contract in franchise history. So they add him. They assign Yandy Diaz, Jeffrey Springs, and Peter Fairbanks all two extensions. And then outside of that, that's it. They didn't really do much on the additions or uh, keeping side. And they lost Kevin Kiermaier, G-Man Choi, Corey Kluber, Brooks Raley, Zunino, David Peralta, Nick Anderson, and Matt Whistler. So kind of they didn't do much adding to their team but and they, they they lost some guys who have been part of this franchise for for a while in guys like G-Man Choi, Kevin Kiermaier, or Mike Zunino and then some new faces as newer faces as well they lost so which one of these is the biggest addition or subtraction for them I've said on multiple different videos that I like the addition of Zach Eflin I thought that he was a race fit and I, I think I actually predicted that one of, of him signing with the Rays. I can't. I couldn't remember whether I picked him signing with the Rays or the Diamondbacks. I forget, but I like the addition at least of them bringing him in. But there's just so many subtractions that it's hard not to pick one of those. So I don't have a specific one, and we'll get into my grade overall. But I guess Zach Eflin. Although there's just so many subtractions that it feels weird to pick their lone addition. Yeah, I w- went on the subtraction side. I think it's a combination of losing Brooks Raley, who was great in, in relief last year. He pitched 53 innings for the team. And then all of the bats, Kiermaier, Choi, Zunina, Peralta, etc. Just because they didn't add anyone on either end to, to replace. They didn't add anyone in the bullpen. And I know the Rays factory, they, they always find people to produce, but they didn't add anyone in the bullpen. They didn't add any bats to replace those guys that, that they lost. And I think it's tough to find this many productive guys that the Rays have shown that they can find productive guys of guys that you're not expecting, but that's a lot of subtractions. And I think they were right in the middle of off season or uh, offensive ranks last season. And they they lost some of those pieces. So, you know, looking at their lineup, I do like their top four and Brent Lau, uh, Randy Rosarena, Water Franco and Yadi Diaz. And then you also have Christian Bethencourt toward the, toward the end that I kind of, like I think he's a little under underrated hitter. Uh, just not a fan of the depth in the lineup. So t- to take a middle of the pack offensive team that barely got you to the playoffs last year, and then just didn't perform in the playoffs last year. That uh, did they they scored I think one run on like a Jose Siri home run in those yep. those two games against the Guardians. So to take that offense and kind of do nothing and actually maybe get worse on paper. It's, it's just tough, and I think the combination of losing those guys will be important for them in 2023. Yeah, the, I mean, I have no worries that... Or I don't, not that I don't have any worries, but I, I do believe that they will find guys to fill in, whether it's in the rotation or in the bullpen. Like they, They're always finding pitchers seemingly out of nowhere, but 
the offense was not great last year, really bad in the playoffs. Like the reason that they were not able to advance and they didn't sign anyone. I mean, that's why it's exactly my grade. I gave him a D because it's like they're not even trying to compete offensively because, um, you know, the Rays have been a World Series contender at least for a couple years. Last year, they snuck their way into the playoffs, but this year, they didn't add anyone to try and make themselves any better. And, you know, I know the Rays are a small market team, but last offseason, they offered hundreds of millions of dollars to Freddie Freeman. Didn't get him, obviously, went to the Dodgers. And I thought, wow, that's such a great sign for the Rays. They're trying to reel in the big fish. They didn't even go to the smaller pond this time. They bring in Zach Eflin and the rest of the offense. They don't make a single change to it. So I gave him a D because it just it, it was a surprising, a surprising unactive offseason or inactive offseason for me. And just don't like the way that this lineup is shaping up because they didn't add a single hitter. I actually went with a C. So maybe it was not harsh enough because uh, we try and look at this offseason like in a tunnel, like. How, how did they add? What did they add? What they lose? But I, I also do like the focus on the current guys because if you look at their their lineup, I think it's not bad. I mentioned those five that I like uh, at, at the top of the order, and I, I'm just not sure. I'm kind of in disagreement with you about Eflin. I'm not sure if Eflin's worthy of being the largest free agency at, uh, contract in franchise history. I didn't say he's and worthy overall, of that, but also, I mean, they also haven't signed a whole like their previous free agent contracts weren't that big and. I'm not saying that I like how much money they gave him, but I do like him as a player, and I think he fits in their rotation pretty well. Yeah, but I, 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 you're right, and I, I just think he it wasn't necessarily what they needed. And you mentioned the, the lineup of all the all that they lost, and they've shown that they could be productive on the pitching end with barely barely scoring a run in that series. They also did barely gave up any runs, and I know the Gar- Guardians aren't known as some offensive powerhouse, but they they've got pitching and McClanahan was the start in the All Star game and hopefully you get Glassnail healthy so I think pitching wasn't really what they needed and just overall I do like their lineup and kind of what they have but you know adding a, a, a some smaller guys would have been beneficial to this team and I think just adding some more production would have been made you another playoff team and I think now they're kind of on the fence and we could talk about with what to expect but overall I think it was an okay off season. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as confident about this as I am in the Red Sox episode, which it I, I think is out by now, so you can go watch it. But I don't think the Rays are making the playoffs. Um, and, and it feels weird to say because they've been a perennial playoff team for quite some time, and you almost look back at their last decade or so, and I'm honestly surprised they didn't win a World Series. But I think that their time is kind of coming to an end if they don't start making more moves. I don't think this small ball effect is going to work anymore with the roster and the lineup that they have uh, right now. So I don't think they're making the playoffs. I'd hope that next offseason they could be more active, but wasn't a fan of their offseason. They barely made it last year. So I mean, kind of process of elimination. I think that they're not going to make it this year either. Yeah, I'm expecting a battle for third place in the division with, with the Orioles. And I also went, yeah, I think if I'm predicting right now, I think they are they are going to miss the playoffs. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards predicting, but I do see a path where they where they can make it, and there's kind of a open third spot for me in the playoffs. Kind of going through our rough draft, our rough drafts of predictions, and I'm not like super confident of a third wild card team in the American League as I am with the National League. I mean, you got the three NL East teams, and then two NL West. So those are going to make up your 
three wildcard teams, it seems. But with the American League, I, th- I think there's a path where the Rays can sneak in there, sneak into the third wildcard if the, if the Orioles regress, uh, if the Rangers or Angels uh, don't play like they have a ceiling to. So there's an open third wildcard team that I think the, a- or the Rays can sneak in. But uh, if I had to predict, I'm, I'm going to say they miss out on it. Yeah, I mean, to get, you mentioned Tyler Glasnow a, a little bit ago. He was going to be my prediction. I was going to make some variable prediction about, you know, maybe not maybe not him winning a Cy Young, but I thought he could have come in the top three for American League Cy Young. Unfortunately, goes down with yet another injury. It's kind of becoming one of those players where it, it's happening on a routine basis, and unfortunately, we kind of have to worry about injury with him every year. Um, so I switched gears a little bit, and I don't like this prediction quite as much because I was really locked in on glass now, but I'm going to say that Wander Franco cements himself as a top five shortstop in baseball this year. I think he's going to have a top five season, and you look at the shortstops, and I think there are six guys maybe going to be vying for that top five spot. You have Lindor, you have Correa, you have Trey Turner, you have Corey Seager, Wander Franco, and I'm and Xander Bogarts, who we mentioned in the Red Sox episode, is a departure I think, you know, I think Wander's got a pretty good shot at ending up somewhere in everyone's top five rankings at the end of the year because I think hopefully you have a full healthy season from him. And if we do get that, we know how good he can be. So I think he ends up top five. I went with, despite all the losses that they had this offseason, I think they're still going to be in the top half of baseball in pitching and hitting. They were 15th in WRC Plus last year, their lineup, and 13th in pitching ERA. So... I think despite that, I think they're going to be right around that middle of the pack, and I think they'll get into the top half of the league in both of those statistics. I really like their rotation still. Like I know that they they lost some guys, and they didn't bring anyone in the lineup, which was my biggest harp on that, but I still really, really, really like their starting pitching rotation. It helps when Glasnow's healthy, because then you've got McClanahan, Glasnow, Eflin, Drew Rasmussen and you figure out what you want to do with the five spot I don't know who they have listed there right now but they also have Shane Boz coming back from injury who was the, uh, the second best pitching prospect in baseball last year came up and made some waves with the major league squad so I mean those are five guys that I really like and you already know that the Rays are going to find someone else as well to throw in there so I still really like the rotation if they can stay injury free I know we're seeing some stuff with Glasnow early but if you can have McClanahan for a full season if, if Eflin can stay healthy and uh, same with some of these other guys. I, I still really like the rotation, and I still want to believe in the Rays. I, I want them to to be able to be back in the playoffs because it's entertaining when the Rays are good. I just, I'm not sure how I'm feeling about their lineup this year. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Double Play. Today, we are joined by Sam Lucchini to talk some Yankees. We're doing our Yankees season prediction, or season preview, rather. We're going to recap their offseason and look forward to their 2023 season. Thank you, Sam, for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It's a blast to be here. Um, you know, this is kind of what I do all day, every day is talk Yank. So I just, I'll keep the train going. I'll keep it going. How are you guys doing? We're, do, we're doing great. And let's get right into the Yankees. And they were Easy. M- maybe the busiest team this offseason when it comes to the big fish. They bring back Aaron Judge, the AL MVP from last year, who had one of the best seasons we've ever seen. And they also, they go big fishing again for Carlos Rodon, the former San Francisco Giant and Chicago White Sox, who many believe was one of the best starting pitchers on the market, maybe the best above Jacob deGrom. And then they also bring back Anthony Rizzo. They bring in Tommy Canely. And there weren't too many guys that left. You have Andrew Benintendi, Jamison Tyone. Matt Carpenter, Chad Green, Aroldis Chapman, who'd been there for a while, and then Miguel Miguel, Miguel Castro and Lucas Litke. Overall, Sam, very big. I would assume that uh, as a Yankees fan, you're happy with the guys that they brought back and the guys they brought in. But for you, whether it was an addition or a subtraction, what do you think was the biggest move of the offseason? 
Um, for sure. I mean, when you can bring in a fish like Radon, really, that's just kind of uncomparable when you really look at it. Um, you're basically adding to a strength. This was a team that was, you know, incredible last year with their starting rotation. We're talking about a guy like Derek Cole who had a poor down year last year, but he ended up breaking the all-time Yankees single-season strikeout leader last year. I think it's 257, I think, that he clipped last year. But he had a 3-5 ERA. He was poor. Um, from his standard, at least. I mean, Nestor Cortez Jr. really broke out last year and was incredible. And then you add Carlos Rodon into this mix. This is the best, you know, one, two, three, one of the best one, two, three punches they are going to see in MLB. You're out there talking about, you know, one of the strongest rotations in baseball, you know, with the likes of the New York Mets, cross out Rob. That's going to be a really cool thing we're going to see this year. And now you're in a position where, you know, Luis Severino, who was your ace, you know, three, four years ago, is now your four guy. And now that, you know, we see Frankie Matas going down with the with the shoulder thing, he's going to have shoulder surgery, whatever. That was a guy that you traded for to be your two. A couple of months later, it's your situation where that's going to be your five coming into the season. So adding to the strength is incredible. Um, obviously, bringing back Judge was a huge add because, you know, realistically, if you lose that guy, you lose 12 wins. He was an 11.7 F4 player last year. You just, you, you're losing a huge part of the team. And then, you know, as far as the losses go, um, I thought that I really would have liked to see a full year of Andrew Benintendi with the Yankees. Um, and then I absolutely love Matt Carpenter. Um, and for me, you know, being able to see Rodgers Chapman walk is happy. Um, that's happy thoughts for me because I've seen him blow so many goddamn games over the past couple of seasons. So I'm perfectly okay with that. Um, I will definitely miss Shagri, and that's a guy that I'll miss. And then, you know, another ad was Tommy Kaylee, and I thought that he was going to come back and be sick, but he's now dealing with some, uh, like, something with his bicep or something. So he's going to miss, like, the first month of the season, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, but, you know, that's a guy that you gave $6 million a year. So it was uh, it was an interesting offseason. Obviously, we added two of the biggest fish, and I'm super excited about the ads. Some of these subtractions I'm a little bit upset about, but I'm I can live with that. Um, so it's pretty solid all around for me. Yeah, I'll go ahead and kind of tail tail off there. I, I I ended up going with Rodon as the biggest one as well because, like you said, it makes the rotation probably potentially the best in baseball, and that's uh, its ceiling is definitely the best in baseball. And uh, I I think I didn't go Judge here, and I, I think Jack's going to talk about Judge because. It, 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 it Judge did make their lineup better, and it was a kind of a signing that, and a re-signing rather that we thought was necessary for the Yankees. But with Rodon, uh, they, they kind of needed him, I think, because if you look at the lineup as a whole, it, it's it's good. I wouldn't say it's elite like it has been the Yankees lineup this year, but uh, it, it it's got the potential to be. And but with the rotation kind of maybe carrying the load, I guess you can say uh, it, it puts them right back to where they've been. To, in recent years, right atop that division as a potential World Series threat. And so I, I think Rodon maybe meant more to on the field, even though it was a strength. I, I think it solidifies them as being the best, among the best in baseball uh, with a guy like Rodon, who was in the Cy Young conversation the last two seasons. So I, when, when, when you add someone like that, I think it's you can't really understate the value that that's going to bring over 162 and then once you get into a short playoff series as well and you mentioned uh they brought in montas to be the two last season and now he's going to be the five and when you're when you're going into a potentially five game series or even a seven game series when you face cole and rodan for the first two in a five game series and potentially twice in a seven game series if you get that far uh that, that's going to be a bigger big boost than having than being that two be a Montas or a Nestor Cortez, who are we're both great pitchers, but th- I think Rodon, the addition to that, is going to be very important over the course of 162 and then in the postseason as well. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Aaron Judge the way I looked at it. I mean, 
well, either or works for me as the biggest ad. But if if I were to look and say, if they only got one of them, would I rather that one have been Judge or Rodon? I, I think you got to go with Aaron Judge for A. He had one of the best seasons we've ever seen last year. He's easily a top three player in the game right now. If you want to put him one, I don't fault you considering how good he was last season. You're locking him up probably for the rest of his career. You also add just what he means to the city of New York and being one of the homegrown players that's just gone on and, and led the Yankees for so many years. And if I was thinking about it, the lineup I thought was going to be kind of weak without Aaron Judge. Now, I like some of the guys they have, but it's it's certainly a lot different um, when it doesn't have Aaron Judge in it. And we saw that even with Judge, that's their biggest problem in the playoffs is they just don't hit as well as they do in the regular season. So if you're rolling into the playoffs and you've gotten through the season and you made the postseason and the big fish in your lineup are maybe John Carlos Stanton if he's healthy, you've got Anthony Rizzo. And we, we Ryan and I both like Glaber Torres, but there's no anchor. I feel like it's, it's, it's a lot of good players, but Judge is really what brings it all together. And he's clearly the best uh, hitter on the team. So I went with Aaron Judge just because I know Rodon added to his strength and made you better, but I think we were going to look at this Yankees lineup a, a lot different if Judge wasn't back. And a lot of people didn't think he was going to be back. So uh, good on them for being able to bring back one of their the best talents that they've produced ever. Yeah, I can agree with both points here because when you have Rodon now, you know, we saw in the playoffs last year that rotation kind of got beat down. Um, you saw Nestor who like straggled with injuries. He was the guy that had thrown out of the bullpen for the majority of his career. And then you get towards the back half of the season, he went on the I.L. for a little bit. And then the last playoff game that he pitched in, in game four of the ALCS, he literally got injured. So now you're able to throw out that four, that just unstoppable four-headed monster playoff series, which gives you just extreme, extreme advantages. And you're talking about, you know, this is the Yankees team that's going to go deep, and they're going to see the Houston Astros. This Houston Astros team did lose Justin Verlander. While I still think that they are the best team in the American League by far, I think that, you know, replacing Hunter Brown with Justin Verlander doesn't like 100% translate out. They're still going to be a better team. I, I still 1000% think that the Astros are a better team. But that this now allows you to be able to compete with the Houston Astros. And back to the Aaron Judge point, I think the, that the Yankees 1 through 5, I think, is incredible. I think when you're able to throw out Judge, Stan, Rizzo, Glaber, DJ LeMahieu, those kind of guys, I think that's incredible. But that bottom four of, you know, Trevino, who's strictly there to play defense. Donaldson, who's washed, who the hell knows she's going to play shortstop. You know, I that bottom four is just really weak. And like both of you guys said, like they could not hit the playoffs to save their goddamn lives. So if you take Aaron Judge out of that lineup, what does that team do? I don't think it does absolutely anything on the field. So I like both of your perspectives on these moves. I think both of those answers were perfect. And before we move into a grade, grade will cook, I'm, I'm going to digress here. Uh, speaking of shortstop, are, are you on the bullpen for starting shortstop opening day train? You know what? It's um, it's interesting. It's a good question because we haven't gotten to see a lot of Peraza. I think Peraza is different with an ankle thing. He's going to play tomorrow, I think, which will be nice. He hasn't played uh, over the past week. Um, but Volpe's been killing it, man. And at the same token, you know, you're not. You're looking at single-A, double-A pitching right now, and that's what he's facing. Um, so I think that we'll see sort of a separation once we get towards the latter stages of camp. Obviously, Oswald Peraza had some time in AAA and then in the bigs uh, last year, you know, and even in the playoffs. So I feel like we're going to see sort of that competition. I think that they 1,000% need to move the $6 million that I can't episode this year, like 100%. It should not be him at all. Um, but I think, you know, one of the two, I would love to see Volpe start. I think that would be really cool. But at the same token, I don't know then what you do with Peraza, who the hell knows. Um, but I would love, 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 love for Volpe to be the starting shortstop this year. I don't think it's going to happen just because service time manipulation and that kind of stuff. And I think we'll just end up rolling with Peraza, at least to start. 
And, you know, and if they deal with an infield injury, maybe we'll pull up Volpe eventually. But I I would I want to see them roll with Volpe, but I think they roll for us. So do you think either of those two prospects could be groomed in the future to play third base? Maybe you're looking at a life past Donaldson, which who knows could be this season or next. Yeah, so that's another good point. Um, my biggest thing with this season, what I really want them to do is I want them to play DJ LeMay with third base and just, you know, bench Josh, Josh Donaldson because I think that that bat has just completely digressed. His max exit velocities are terrible. His average exit velocity is like just cooked. He played great defense and, you know, people rave about Josh Donaldson's DRS total, which was seven last year and it was among one of the best in baseball. Um, and I want to see he played about 900 innings at third base. Josh Donaldson did last year. DJ LeMahieu played 300 innings at third base last year. He had the same amount of DRS at third base as Josh Donaldson in 600 less innings. So while I think that you know Josh Donaldson, you know, there's the potential that we we could look at a 38 you know year old bounce back season from Josh Donaldson. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they should roll out DJ LeMahieu every single day at third base. But in the future, to answer your question. I think that a guy like Peraza, who is more skilled defensively, could end up moving to third base, having Volpe be the shortstop full-time. And then I think they should run with Gleyber Torres, man. I think Gleyber Torres is a great bat over at second base. So I think that those three guys should anchor your infield for the future. And then obviously we'll see what happens with Rosario, I really like Andre Shaparo, who's down the minors as well. So we'll see if he ends up becoming the first baseman at some point. But I think that those three guys should anchor your infield for the like the near future, essentially. Absolutely. I, I mean, I kind of agree with you there. I think Volpe is going to be the, the future for, for me, at least. I, I like what I've seen from him. And Glaber, I mean, Jack and I just had our fantasy baseball draft the other day. We were both, we were both going after him. and we, we believe in Glaber. And it's clear, I mean, Glaber also wants to be in New York, which so sometimes you can't say about all players. New York isn't, not everyone's built for New York. So mm. Glaber, Glaber's a guy who enjoys that. So I, I agree with you. Those three should be the future of the infield. But Moving on to kind of what the grade is, uh, Sam, you can go ahead and start us off. What, what would you give the Yankees grade this offseason? Um, I would give it a B flat. I think a B flat is fair. Um, obviously, I think that, you know, you bringing back Judge, I think should be the expectation. Um, I think it takes it above average with you signing Rodon, so that kicks it up to a B. Um, but the only issue that I have with this offseason is that this lineup didn't get any better. Obviously, you bring back Judge, he's the exact same player, if not worse. Obviously, we're not going to expect a 62 home run season from this guy every single year. But at the same token, you didn't bring in a left fielder. We're not really sure what's going to go on out there. If you want to add in the additions of the prospects, I think that makes it a little bit interesting, you know, once you see a Volpe or Peraza come up and play shortstop. But realistically, there's still questions with these bats. We don't know what's going to happen at third base. We don't know if they're going to roll Donaldson or LeMahieu. We don't know what's going to happen at left field. There's four different guys, realistically, that they could put out there. They could run with Willie Calhoun or Rafael Ortega or Oswaldo Cabrera or Aaron Hicks. Who knows what's going to happen? Shortstop's still up in the air. And realistically, I keep it at a B, probably leaning towards a B plus, strictly because this lineup did not get any better than what it did last year. Obviously, you had a Rodon, but the lineup is still the exact same lineup that lost to the Houston Astros in four games. I guess, yeah, I can go. I, I, I've only given out one A, and I haven't I haven't given out any A pluses, and, and I wanted to to the Yankees just because they had got those two bigs, but for some like some of the guys that they lost if they could have brought those guys back on smaller deals like those are the kind of deals that build those very high grades so if they had brought back a Benintendi or a Matt Carpenter just to 
to make me feel a little bit better about the lineup or added someone um, in the lineup. I, I could have gone uh, much higher. I'm going to stay at an A, though. I think I, I'm going to end up with probably just the two New York teams with the only A's because I am also factoring in they are going to let the young guys play. And I'm a believer in um, Cabrera and Peraza and Volpe potentially. I, I like that they are filling out the big spots where they're bringing in Judge, they're bringing in Rodon, but they're also allowing for the talent below them to grow and and have some hope coming into the year. Um, so they're not making things too complicated in certain spots, but I, I agree with you that there are certain limitations when they didn't get any better offensively, um, at least when you're adding players to to certain spots. So I'm going to stick with an A because um, I am factoring in some of those others. Uh, but I mean, really, it's, it's Judge and Rodon that really bolster the offseason for me. Yeah, I, I was honestly, I was the same way. I, I, I was surprised that you, you wouldn't be, uh, I, I, I went A as well. The only other one I gave to was the Mets. Just because, l- like Jack mentioned, you you add Rodon and keep Judd, which is probably the two biggest free agents in all of free agency this season. So you get that. And yeah, you don't make the lineup better than it was last year. But I think you can look to, they are still the team that won the, uh, won the AL East and they're they're still gonna run that out and like you said the the Astros lose uh Verlander and so so yeah you got swept by them last year yeah you're the same team but I think this team has still the potential to beat the Astros and adding Rodon adds in the factor that I mentioned a little bit earlier of you can roll those two out twice Cole and Rodon that is twice a series and so so I think while they, the lineup didn't get any better from the team that got swept last season, I think the team got closer or at least more likely compete because we know that in a playoff series, anything can happen. Uh, like you used to see with the Phillies last year. But with the Yankees and Astros, I mean, Astros obviously kind of d- dominated that over the last few years, the, those, the head-to-head series, that is. So I, I think the Yankees are kind of at the point now where they're at least within the striking distance of anything can happen with the additions that they added or and keeping Rizzo and judge. So maybe you look to a, a trade deadline piece now this upcoming season to hopefully put you over that edge. But for now, I, I, I like I like this offseason getting those top two guys. I, I went with an A. Yeah, I, I totally understand what you guys are saying. Um, and maybe it's just the spoiled Yankees brat in me um, just, you know, wanting more. But, you know, personally, um, if the one guy that I wanted to see them bring back was Andrew Benintendi. Um, like we've been talking about, this team can't hit in the playoffs. This was a guy that it was hitting 330 at the All-Star break last year, ended up hitting damn near 300 with the team you know, after he came over. Obviously, had the Hammond bone injury, whatever, but that was just another guy that was just you know a contact profile bat that you just need in those playoff series. That's why we've missed DJ LeMay so much in those types of playoff series. So I think if they made a move like that, I think I would push it to an A. Um, you know, I like I do like that you mentioned just mentioned trade deadline because I do think that they probably go after an outfield bat at the trade deadline. Um, and I think the one guy I think they look at is Ian Happ with the Chicago Cubs. Um, I think that that would be a really interesting play to see where Chicago's at because with Chicago, I'm really interested to see how they do this year because that central is really just one of the weaker divisions of baseball. You know, they kind of bolstered up on these you know, not necessarily mediocre free agents, but just guys that are really, you know, pushing for a bounce back. Um, Eric Hosmer and Cody Ballinger. And, you know, I, I hope that Seiya Suzuki has a, another great second year. Um, and then Ian Happ is a big part of what they have going on in Chicago out there. But if they're, you know, in a position kind of like they were last year where they're going to end up selling, 
I think that Ian Happ would be perfect for this Yankees team. I wanted him to, you know, come to the Bronx last year. Instead of Adrian Benatendi, I, even though I still ended up falling in love with Adrian Benatendi, I think that Ian Happ could be a perfect fit for the New York Yankees at the trade deadline. I think there's a lot of yeah. teams that, that have outfielders, too, that who knows if they're going to end up trading people at the trade deadline. Like, I could see the White Sox, if it's not working out again, realize that this is not their window, and they've got, you know, a bevy of outfielders to choose from. Uh, you could think about the Diamondbacks if they're not where they want to be. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is a free agent, I believe, after this season, and he doesn't exactly fit the the young core that they're building. I know they just traded for him, but they might want to see what they can get out of him. There's a lot of teams that I think can can possibly move on from people if they are middling. You look at guys like the teams like the Milwaukee Brewers, I wouldn't be surprised if they move similarly to the Cubs. So even Brian Reynolds as a possibility from from the Pirates. There's a lot of outfielders out there and there were some good ones last year, but I think this year could be an even bigger time and maybe that's what the Yankees are waiting for as well. And I guess that I can kind of turn us to looking forward to what to expect this season. I I, I, uh, I know I've been praising the Yankees this whole time and their, their roster that they're bringing back, but and and maybe this is me putting false faith in the Blue Jays again. I mean, I did it last year. The spoiler alert. Uh, but uh, I've got the Yankees going second in the division. Is what what kind of my what to expect slash bold prediction a little bit. And uh, I still think they're going to be among the top in the wild card. But I, I it's just it comes down to more of my faith in the Blue Jays rather than uh, not not having faith in the Yankees. So that that's kind of what I'm expecting from the Yankees this year. And I could fully see them proving me wrong like they did last year as well but they definitely will be back in the postseason yeah so it's interesting you talk about this false hope with the Blue Jays because I was on the exact same train um what I did my AL East predictions last year um I said the Yankees finishing third in that division surprisingly as did I I I had I had had the Blue Jays finishing first I had the Tampa Bay Rays finishing second in that division and then the Yankees at three um surprisingly enough so and I, while I do think that the Blue Jays will kick off from from last year, I think that another year of that, you know, this core growing, and I think that that outfield got way better defensively. I think bringing in a guy like Kevin Kiermaier was huge. And then Dalton Varsho, I think, was a huge add for them as well. Um, I think it's going to be very, very tight between these two teams this year. I really think it's a two-horse race for this division. I do think that the Yankees are going to end up pulling out and winning, you know, 97, 98 games. And I think the Blue Jays will be, you know, right there at 96, 97. I think it'll be like one or two games that end up splitting these two teams. I do think that the Yankees will win the division, but it's not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy. This Blue Jays team is serious. They're young and they will cook. I'm telling you guys, this Blue Jays team is going to be serious this year. Well, you're talking. You don't. You need to convince Ryan. Ryan thinks that they're gonna go to the World Series. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you though, Sam. I do think that the Yankees still win the division this year. The Blue Jays might end up going further in the playoffs. I haven't decided that yet, but I still think the Yankees are built to sustain an 162 game season because I love the depth in their rotation. I still think the bullpen is better than the Blue Jays, which is often such an overlooked uh, aspect of baseball where you can fall in love with a lineup or a starting rotation, but it's. What about those last two guys in the bullpen who have to pitch in game three of a series in which all the great relievers already pitched in the first couple of games? Like those are the games that eventually stack up and win you a division. So I think the Yankees are going to win the division still, but I'm predicting them or, or not. I would say like what to expect is they're going to have maybe the best rotation in baseball, but I still think their batting lineup is going to be volatile. I think on a day where Judge doesn't homer uh, and and you're you need production or a big hit in a rally from one of those guys at the bottom of the lineup even though they're young and maybe have a lot of potential, it's not going to work out all the time for the Yankees. And so I could see them having those stretches where 
for one month they're the best hitting team in the league and the next month they're you know near the bottom and people are starting to clown them again but I think eventually as the wave evens out they're going to win the division mostly because I think the rotation is going to be steady throughout so I I think the Yankees are going to be right up there near 100 wins again I think they're going to win the AL East and that I then I think for them it's just hope that that they will hit the ball in the playoffs because they haven't done anything to to push themselves towards that outside of you know patience but it's it's going to break one of these years I, I think because you know the Yankees they've got so many great players it's it has to work out at some point um and we'll see whether that's the year but I think they're in the playoffs I think that they are probably going to win the AL East and I think they're going to have one of the best rotations in the league and then we can move on to bold predictions here uh I'll go ahead and start this one off this was a team where I didn't know where to go for my bold prediction because sometimes I go team like if I have a team in the World Series or something I'll go that way but this is a team that, like the Yankees. I could see them prove me wrong, like I said, for getting the, the division. So I ended up going with, I think the Yankees are going to have five-plus All-Stars on their team. I think you look at Judge, Rodon, and probably Cole are three locks. And then I could see Harrison Bader being an All-Star. I could see Jose Trevino being an All-Star again. Stanton was an All-Star last year. You can even look at the bullpen for a few other names, like a Clay Holmes. So... I think five plus all stars. Maybe it's not bold enough, but I think that's my prediction for the Yankees this season. Yeah, I really like that you just mentioned Bader. I, I would like to tap on him for just a second. Um, he set a career high in stolen bases last year at 17. He only played 89 games. Um, obviously, these bigger bases are really going to help with stolen back, but we've seen it in spring training. I feel like these dudes are just flying around the field like it's nobody's business. Um, that is another guy that I could, you know, potentially see grabbing 30 bags with a full season. Obviously, it's very contingent on health because he's a player that, you know, hasn't particularly stayed healthy throughout the course of his career. But I'm glad that you just mentioned Vader being an all-star. I think that's a really interesting take. And, you know, it's it's a legitimate possibility with how with the potential that he has. Um, and so I have two here. Uh, I have like bold and then like really, really bold. Like it's like never going to happen. Um, bold, I'll go. Anthony Volpe comes up and I think he finishes top three in rookie of the year voting and AL rookie of the year voting. Um, I think that the impact that he can make on this team would be generational. Um, obviously flipping from, you know, seeing IKF last year and, you know, whatever we've seen at the shortstop position ever since Derek Jeter left. D.D. Gregorius was a solid addition for, you know, a multitude of years, but he was obviously never going to live up to the standard of Derek Jeter. Um, but I think that, you know, this kid is like genuinely just like the chosen one and I think that he can really come up and make a serious impact with this team um and this is you know my really 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 bold take is something that I put out there personally um and it was just like straight up hot take I said that John Carlos Dane could hit 50 home runs that's if he stays healthy um John Carlos Dane never stays healthy so you know you can bank on him playing like 120 130 games and hitting 35 home runs but in playing 160, he can hit 50. So my really, really bold take is that Stan hits 50. Uh, that's my favorite player. So it's probably just a little bit of bias, but there you go. That's mine. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like maybe if he doesn't get to 50, but if him and Judge combine for 100. Because, yeah. I mean, Judge is no, 62, so. Yeah. <laughs> that would yeah, be like that way. I, I was going to I I almost went with the Volpe for a top three in rookie of the year. And the only reason I didn't was because we don't know when he's going to be called up. And then and then also, I, there's just so many rookies I like in the American League. We just talked about the Orioles yesterday with Gunnar Henderson, Grayson Rodriguez, and then Hunter Brown, too. I, I think that I could see that one happening. I, I like that prediction, but I, 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 I didn't have the balls to do it. I think, I think yeah, because you, you, 
you don't know when he's going to come up yet, so I'm going to I'm going to hold the brakes on that. I think he can. I mean, he's got the talent. For me, I'm I'm going bold, and Ryan knew this one was coming. I'm a Giants fan. Fell in love with Carlos Rodon last year, and, and being able to watch all of his starts, you you start to understand why people are talking about the expected stats. And I'm just going to straight up say it. I think Carlos Rodon emerges as the ace of the Yankees by the end of the year, and I think he wins the the AL Cy Young. He had the single best expected ERA in all of baseball last year, the single best FIP in all of baseball last year among qualified starters, the single best K per nine. Like You see where I'm going. He was, I think, um, when you're talking about expected stats as well as some of the more nuanced stats among qualified starters, the best starting pitcher in baseball, second in war behind Aaron Nola. And then you compare him to Justin Verlander, who did win the Cy Young last year, more innings pitched, a better expected ERA, a better FIP, expected FIP, war, and strikeouts per nine. He's going to be on the Yankees now, so he's going to get far more attention than he did on the Giants. And I think that with Cole, who had not had not struggled, but to his standards hasn't been up to what he was in, in Houston, or at least his first couple of years in New York, giving up the home runs. I think that Rodon's going to emerge as the ace. I wouldn't be surprised if come playoff time, they want to throw him game one. And I think he wins the Cy Young. Yeah, I absolutely love that take. I like. I genuinely just want to thank you so much for that take because I absolutely love it. I just fell in love with it. I think it's gorgeous. Um, the only thing that scares me with Rodon is his home run to fly ball rate, which is the only concerning thing about Carlos Rodon pitching in Yankee Stadium. That is the only thing because that's what's bit, you know, Garrett Cole in the butt for so many years in the Yankee Stadium. He gave up, what, 38 home runs last year, and that's why his ERA just, like, skied. But I absolutely love that take. I think that's incredible. That's probably spot on, and I think it's a thing that probably does happen. Not, like... He could win the Cy Young, but I think he does become the ace. Like, genuinely, I think he does become the ace by year's end. Yeah, I mean, watching a lot of Rodon, he gave up a lot of home runs, like, at the end of the year last year, and a lot of them were were weak. Um, Like, he gave up a couple to the Diamondbacks. I think, like, there was one game where he gave up two or three where they were just wall scrapers, and you're like, how did that ball get out? And so, with the MLB towards the end of the year last year, messing with the baseballs, I think that didn't help him at all. Um, So, I think seeing that where he didn't give up many before when everyone's saying the balls were dead uh, and then gave up more towards the end of the year as opposed to a guy like Cole who was kind of routinely giving them up over the last two years throughout the entire season. That's why I think that maybe it's it's not as big of a part of Rodon's game as, as it is for Cole. And before we finish this one out, I've got one more kind of off-topic question for you, Sam. Uh, for some reason, I'm on Yankees Twitter. Like, I always see suggested Yankees tweets and it, it seems, seems like at least the accounts that are suggested to me It'll be like Tyner Falefa has a bad uh, batting practice round and tw- Twitter will be freaking out or something crazy like that. So from expectations wise, I know obviously you want the Yankees to World Series to win a World Series, but say the the Yankees beat the Astros in the playoffs and like losing the World Series or something. Is that a disappointment of a year or are you happy with that? No, I'm excited because we finally climbed the mountain. We finally, you know, slayed the beast. You know, that's like the biggest thing. Like, realistically, if they end up going against, you know, like the Padres or the Dodgers in the World Series and they lose, like, okay, so like we lost to the National League team, but we finally got past the ALCS. It's been 10 years. Like, I would be ecstatic. They could lose the World Series, and obviously I would be like completely crushed. Like, it would be terrible for me. But at the same token, they beat the Astros, so who the hell cares? They did it, thank God. So, yeah, I, I I would not consider that a failure of a season. I would call that a success of a season if they beat the Astros. That, that was that was like me. Uh, I go to TCU, so uh, going to go, going to the national championship and losing sixty five to seven obviously sucked. But <laughs> I, I was like, I don't care. We were in the national championship. Crusher, yeah, it sucks. I wouldn't consider 
even last year a disappointment for the Yankees because I, I know that I know they they still ended up losing to the Astros at the end, but I think that you gotta as as a fan of a team who's been up and who has been down, you just be happy when you're in the playoffs and you're winning the division. Like that's that's something to celebrate as well as I mean you know you had the Rays running the AL East for a while, and so for the Yankees to get mm-hmm. get back right on top, and we all three like we like we mentioned had the the Yankees coming in third in our preseason predictions. They end up winning the division, and and it wasn't you know, super close. Um, so I, I still think last year was a success, but it is easy to, to look at things in a vacuum and realize you get swept by the Astros and they are just, they're, they're beating you down every time you come, you come against them in a playoff series. So, um, that's, that's the one thing I will point out, but I do think that 2022 was still a success for the Yankees.